This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Today, we're going to take a look at a Christian doctrine that has dwindled almost to the point of non-existence in much of Christianity. But it is still prominent in the Greek Orthodox faith and in the LDS faith. I'm talking about the Christian doctrine of deification, sometimes called divinization or theosis. Simply stated, it is the process of salvation in very specific terms. When most people think of the concept of being saved, it's something quite generalized. It means that someday you will be with God in heaven. In other religious traditions of Christianity, it means you will dwell with Christ on earth. There are ways of melding those together by saying that this earth will become heaven where God and Christ will dwell. And there are a whole host of variations of that. But the bottom line is that salvation means you live with God. And there's usually very little by way of detail that says exactly what that means other than being in a place with God. Well, the doctrine of deification is a much more precise and comprehensive way of describing how salvation happens. It's a view that people become so much like God that they're finally like him. They come, become so much like Jesus that they are like him. Now, parenthetically, this is a phenomenon that has current anecdotal evidence for it. There are several near-death experiences where people have seen a vision of a far-off city of light, and they have been shown this city, and they have seen a place where people live who have changed their character step-by-step, line-upon-line, precept upon precept until they were the very likeness of God and Christ. That's something that George Ritchie in his book Return from Tomorrow describes briefly and it's something that I personally heard him describe from his own mouth. It was a wonderful experience to hear that. So That's something that we have current anecdotal evidence for, and it's something that Latter-day Saints believe. But where else is it? Well, surprisingly enough, at least to some, it's in a lot of places, or at least it has been. The fascinating view that current Protestant denominations by and large have about deification is that uh, it's nonsense. They don't believe it. The The ironic part of that belief is that they believe that God is all powerful, but apparently not powerful enough 
to elevate people to the state of godhood. There's an unbridgeable gulf, according to them, beyond which people cannot further enhance their development. There is apparently some kind of a ceiling. But to ancient Christians and to some Christians today, including Catholicism, at least in the background, but very much so in the Greek Orthodox, or sometimes called the Eastern Orthodox Church, and of course in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, this concept of deification is alive and well. So, where did it come from? Many people overlook, or at least fail to recognize, this concept in Scripture. And I'm here to tell you that it is all over the place in scriptures, especially in the New Testament, if you look for it. I will today mention just a few examples from the New Testament, then we'll take a look at some of the statements that the early Christian church fathers had about scriptures and what they actually meant and how they were tied to this concept of deification. Many people have heard it said that as man is now, God once was, and as God is now, man may become. That is the statement of a very famous Latter-day Saint prophet on the issue of deification. And indeed, it was the kind of thing that Joseph Smith discussed in, among other sermons of his, the King Follett Discourse, just a few months before his death. In the Bible, the Apostle Peter recorded a similar statement in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, when he said, quote, with his divine power, Jesus has given us all things needed to become gods. We have great and marvelous promises that we will have God's divine nature as part of us. Close quote. It's from the contemporary English version. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 13 says, Quote, Christ chose apostles, prophets, missionaries, pastors, and teachers so that his people would learn until we are united by our faith and our understanding of the Son of God. Then we will be mature just as Christ is and we will be completely like him. Close quote. Completely like him would mean deity. In another place, he says, quote, the Spirit tells us we are God's children, and as God's children, we are God's heirs jointly with Christ, so that we can be glorified together with him. Our earthly suffering is small compared with God's glory, which will be plainly seen in us, close quote. The Apostle Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, said, quote, Become 
perfect, just like your heavenly Father is perfect. Close quote. Most people don't know quite what to do with that, or maybe they think it's a goal. But it's a straightforward commandment to become like God. It's a slow process. Many of the early Christian fathers believed that that process of becoming like God started at baptism. And then it progressed during life, and of course only culminated after this life, after the resurrection. The Apostle John had this to say in Revelation chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. Quote, those who overcome will sit on my heavenly throne with me, just as I overcame and sit with my Father in his heavenly throne. Close quote. In a different place in Revelation, in chapter 21, verse 7, the Apostle John also said, quote, Those who overcome will inherit everything. Close quote. Many people don't stop to think what everything is, but it is indeed every single thing, including the very nature of God. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, it says, Every good disciple will become perfect just like his master. Close quote. So there we see a number of examples of how in the scriptures themselves we find this concept of deification. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more on deification. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Okay, back to our subject of the day, which is the concept of deification. If you're just joining us and you're unfamiliar with that term, it is not one that's generally used in the LDS faith, but the concept is there. President Lorenzo Snow uh, had a very strong statement about deification when he said, as man is now, God once was, and as God is now, man may become. This concept of salvation to specifically mean that people ultimately progress to the point where they are divine, where they are deity, is something that is shared a great deal in common between Latter-day Saints and the Greek Orthodox faith. And a little bit, although still in the background, in the Catholic faith. Interestingly enough, although it has not been taught much from the pulpit within the Catholic faith, it is something that is part of their Liturgy, they're actually catechisms that deal with the concept of deification. And if we get time, we'll mention at least one of those that is quite prominent. And Pope John Paul II made a major statement some years ago about Catholics having as one of the important things that they should do to look at this concept of deification and that they should embrace it. 
quite an amazing statement about a doctrine that has not been emphasized a great deal within that faith, frankly, even since he made that comment. But it was nonetheless a wonderful comment. All right, now to some of the patristic writings that are out there on this concept of deification. There are many examples of statements by the leadership within the early Christian faith at and shortly after for the next few centuries the time of the apostles about what certain scriptures meant and about what the ultimate goal of being a Christian was the fact that salvation was that goal and that salvation meant nothing less than becoming like God in the fullest sense And so here are some of those statements by the early Christian church fathers. St. Irenaeus of Lyons stated that God became what we are in order to make us what he is himself. Close quote. Clement of Alexandria was the bishop in Alexandria, Egypt for considerable length of time. And in his writings, we have recorded that he said, quote, he who obeys the Lord and follows the prophecy given through him becomes a God while still moving about in the flesh, close quote. St. Athanasius wrote, quote, God became man so that men might become gods, close quote, which incidentally is the very closest statement that I have seen in early Christianity to Lorenzo Snow's statement. Um, it's quite a remarkable uh, coincidence, and by coincidence I don't mean something that is uh, a complete chance, I mean the incidence of the way they coincide is absolutely remarkable. They are very, very similar. Justin Martyr, an early Christian church leader, said, quote, and by the way, he's quoting from Psalms here, God stands in the congregation of the gods. He judges among the gods. I said, ye are gods and are all children of the Most High God. Thereby it is demonstrated that all men are deemed worthy of becoming gods and of having power to become sons of the highest. Close quote. Justin Martyr thought that the Psalms, particularly Psalm 82, was proof that men could be deified. And to me, this is a fascinating one. Uh, St. Clement of Alexandria, Egypt, I've already mentioned. This is a little bit more lengthy quote. He was in the latter part of the second century when he said this, a little over a hundred years after the time that Christ was on the earth. And he said this, To him who has shall be added knowledge to faith, love to knowledge, and love to inheritance. And this happens when a person depends on the Lord through faith, 
through knowledge and through love, and ascends with him to the place where God is. And God and guardian of our faith and love from whom knowledge is delivered to those who are fit for this privilege and who are selected because of their desire for fuller preparation and training, who are prepared to listen to what is told them to discipline their lives, to make progress by careful observance. This knowledge leads them to the end, the endless final end, which is they receive the title of gods, since they are destined to be enthroned with other gods who are ranked next below the Savior. Close quote. That's a pretty clear statement and quite extensive. Origen, St. Origen in the third century, had a fascinating statement as well. He said, quote, Everything which without being God in himself is deified by participation in his Godhead should strictly be called God, not the God. And he goes on to say that it said, God the Lord of God spoke and called the world. For it was through his ministry that they became gods, since he drew divinity from God for them to be deified, and of his kindness generously shared it with them. God then is the true God, and those who through him are fashioned into gods are copies of this prototype. And Cyril of Alexandria referring to Paul's statement that we are the t our bodies are the temples of God, said, quote, Are we called temples of God, and indeed gods? Yes, so we are. We are gods, close quote. And St. Basil said it very succinctly, Becoming a god is the highest goal of all. And I could go on and on. This is a brief little group of the statements of the early Christians referring to scriptures which they believe demonstrated the concept of deification within Christianity. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today.